I'm Matthew Schwartz. And I'm Aaron Sprinkle. And this is Moon Traveling. What's up, everybody? Thanks so much for joining us. This is part two of Matthew and I's conversation about the story of our musical journeys. If you missed part one, I highly recommend to go back and check it out first. But let's do this. Um, yeah, I did find out the band that I went to go see that uh, ultimately got me kicked out of band was Better Than Ezra. Ah, yes. It was good living with you. Uh-huh. Um, Better Than Ezra was awesome. Yeah. I, I didn't regret it. I had to write this whole apology note for them to let me back in. And I think they kind of let me in for a bit, but it kind of just trickled out or whatever. But like my apology note was, was the, I was just basically, I'm sorry that I lied, but I'm not sorry that I did this because I want a career in music and seeing live music from a professional band is more important to the future of my career than it is for me to go march in a parade that no one will remember or something like that. Yeah. It was such a little kick, like a little dick, like, Oh my goodness. Uh, so I guess, you know, like, I, I think everyone listening will know, or will definitely will know by the time we do our Poor Lou episode, but you started doing music professionally when you and Scott and, and Nick and Jesse started Poor Lou, basically, right? Yeah, so that was, um, we, we recorded, we self-recorded our first uh, thing called Star Studded Super Step. And that was at your church, the, the guy, there was a studio at the church, correct? And they just basically Yeah, we actually keys. didn't record it in there. We recorded it in the room next to it. We just rented some gear and set up because I literally didn't even know there was a studio in the room next to it. There was just an empty room. And then he came over and we ended up mixing it in there. Oh, cool. But um, I borrowed the Mackie 1604 from the youth group and then rented a, I believe it was a, Otari half inch eight track reel to reel. Wow! And um, just used mics that the that were around in the youth room. You know, just like fifty sevens and fifty eights. Um, I mean, and recorded the whole thing. Literally to, got thrown in the deep in there. Just, yeah, but it was like I was. That was where I. Yeah. I mean, I just that, that was one of the greatest moments of my life was getting to rent that gear and do that. Yeah. You know, it was like my first you know, foray into like multi-track professional grade. And I still yeah. have this like love for the half inch eight track medium, but yeah. I don't think I ever did another half inch eight track recording after that. Like, cause I instantly started working in the studio after that and um, switched over to 16, two inch. Cause that's what he had in there at the time. I'm, I don't know how you, how you feel, but I, I love when I'm working on a project, kind of putting some parameters around it and such. I mean, would you consider doing uh, 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 some songs, an EP, an album with the parameters of I'm going to only do it on an 8 or 16 track to tape kind of thing? Yeah, that's something I've thought about quite a bit, actually. Um, it's a, it's it's a, definitely a, a goal of mine in the next couple of years is to do yeah, a, an album where I you know write it all beforehand and then rehearse it with a band. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, or at least a drummer, right? Um, but maybe even a bass player, and um, and then go into a tape studio and and, and track stuff in the room. You know, I love to, that. And with no um, no digital editing yeah. whatsoever. Um, and 
it's really weird for me to think about doing a record like that now because it actually terrifies me. But I did like, I don't know, 50 records mm-hmm. as a producer before I started having the capability of editing anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, and you know, we didn't, we couldn't tune vocals back then or edit yeah. drums back there or anything. We just were like, and there, it's just such a different approach. You're, you're mm-hmm. the way that you're even deciding what to take, you know, what to keep or not keep, or what was a good take is, is completely different when you're at that level. And I'm not saying it's better or worse. I think there's yeah. huge advantages to both. Um, and I'm not a purist by any means, obviously, yeah. but I do love the idea of doing something um, where you're literally capturing uh, a, moment, a moment, you know, yeah. and tracking it, you know, trying to track it in like four days or something like that. Yeah. Just like really. Um, I love that. That actually, yeah. I I don't have any plan. My wife will kill me if she hears, well, she will hear me say this, but <laughs> you know, I don't have any plans to, to start anything new. I mean, as, uh, as you know, we, we haven't even mixed what I've already finished, but mm-hmm. um, for of my current album. But I really, honestly, I want to bring studio equipment to a cabin in, in the mountains and get enough group of guys uh, that are all musicians and basically just hang out for a week, week and a half, two weeks. And I think that in a perfect world, I'd love to come with nothing and leave with at least an EP, you know? Yeah. Um, but... I, yeah, I that's think that's like a dream in, scenario for sure. Yeah. I think in reality, I would need to prepare and make sure I gave them tracks for them to kind of prepare. Cause you know, as we all know, this stuff takes so long to do and gets right. But I would just love to have everything already set up. And like every day we try to like do a song, you know, and, and get, you know, five to 10 songs done and, and, and just have it, like you said, like be performance and be kind of a little raw and just real. And in that moment. And I would love that. Yeah. Um, that's like, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a dream scenario of mine. I actually at one in the last couple of years was like looking up cabins and trying to find a cabin with a piano in it. Um, mm. and there's actually, there actually are some around yeah. here. Oh, totally. <laughs> uh, for, and there, there are even some that are literally for that purpose, like for, yeah. with, with at least the thought in mind for yeah. uh, an artist to be able to get away in a. The cool thing is if I had enough songwriters that came, I wouldn't even have to be the one that's pulling all the weight on that form. You would be like, all right, we'll do my song. You guys back. We'll do your song. We'll back, you know, that kind of thing and make it a little easier too. But anyway, the first, uh, Connor Oberst self-titled solo album was done in a, in Mexico and they set up a temporary studio and that's cool out in the middle of nowhere, I think. And and that album is unbelievably incredible. Like I listened to it on the rig. Yeah, uh, Andy Hull from Manchester Orchestra has a project called Right Away Great Captain, and his first album was just him and my buddy uh, Jeremiah. They went to a cabin, just the two of them, and recorded a uh, recorded that album just for. That's you know, awesome. Um, what was uh, what was the first album you ever owned that you bought with your own money? Um. Oh gosh, dang it! I I actually don't know if I can answer this question. Perfectly, because I'm sure I bought some cassette tapes when I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, like at the Christian bookstore or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I do. I I can tell you the first CD I bought mm-hmm. 
which was kind of a big deal because did I already tell this? I don't know. No. It doesn't matter. The first, so the, my, my uncle had a CD player when they were like $800, mm-hmm. but I, I went over, I remember he played it for me. Um, I think the first thing I ever heard on CD was Mannheim steamroller Christmas. <laughs> hey, that first, that Which first I Christmas still album. love their first yes. Christmas album. It's on my Christmas playlist. I yep. absolutely love it. Every it's so year. bad and awesome at the same time. But, um, he had a, he had a really nice cassette deck too, and he's like, "Hey, if you want to like buy CDs, you can bring them over and tape them, mm. and that way you can listen to them on your Walkman, and that way you'll have some CDs by the time uh, you um, can buy a CD player." And mm. uh, and so um, there was like this. There was only a couple stores on the island that sold CDs, and they were I think they were both drug stores. Like the drugstore would sell yeah. v- even vinyl back in the day. That's so but, um, funny. But uh, I remember, so I was really obsessed with the movie, The Buddy Holly Story with Gary Busey. Um, yep, it seen was it. like Love huge, huge, huge. I've seen it probably like 50 times and uh, it got me really into Buddy Holly. Um, but I remember the very, I went into one of these drugstores and I literally bought <laughs> Buddy Holly's Greatest Hits and mm-hmm. The Cure Disintegration on CD. Those were the first two CDs I bought. I love them. Um, and at the time, I didn't think anything of it. But now thinking about it, that's a hilarious combination of CDs to buy. But yeah, yeah, I'm sure, you know, my parents bought a lot of music before. I don't remember, you know, I'm sure I had like a Crumbacher tape or like an Alter Boys tape or something before that yeah. uh, that I bought. But I don't remember for sure. Yeah. I mean, with me having two older brothers, so much stuff was handed down or shared. Yeah. And I remember having Newsboys tapes and having DC Talk tapes and Michael W. Smith tapes and such. But I don't know that I ever bought any of those. Part of me thinks right. that those were theirs and I just borrowed them or we shared them or whatever. But yeah, it's so funny. I don't remember ever buying a tape, but I know I had them. But my first memory was buying CD and I, we had a turtles we could walk to and we weren't supposed to walk there. It was on a high, a four lane highway and was not easy to go to. And my parents, if they knew that we, well, I guess they're going to know if they listen to this, but I don't think they listen to this, but anyway, they would, they would be so upset because we weren't supposed to do that, but we would walk there all the time. And there was a, a Rite Aid or no Eckerd's drugstore too, that we would hang out and stuff too, but they didn't, I don't think they did music there. Um, but Went to the Turtles, and I had some money on me for the first time, and I bought, I guess I was just hanging out in the S's, but I bought Spin Doctors, a uh, pocket full of kryptonite, and yes. I bought uh, Soul Asylum, um, whatever, Gra- Grave Dancers yeah. Union. Yeah. Nice. Both really great albums, and I, I yeah, still love awesome. both those albums. Um, but those also were, I think it was just, this was still, I wasn't supposed to have secular music kind of thing, so mm-hmm. I, I the, the good thing about Christian music being a little bit uh, edgy is I did fib a little and be like, oh no, this is a new Christian band. You don't know about them, blah, 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 you know, that kind of thing. But they did see the Soul Asylum record that has a, a I think a child's bare ass on the front of it or whatever. And <laughs> man, they were not happy about that. Um, but yeah, those were, those were my first like albums that I remember with my hard earned cash actually putting down and getting. That's great. Um, what was your first concert? I actually, 
know this, I think. I, th- I believe my very first concert ever was um, Randy Stonehill and Daniel Amos in oh, Seattle. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then I don't, I don't know what my, f- I don't remember what my first secular concert was though. Um, it, mm. It's possible that it was, I think Nick and I went to the green, the REM green tour. I, I don't remember if that was the first um, non-Christian concert I went to. I think it might've been, um, there might've been smaller all ages shows that I went to before that, but um Probably not, but yeah, yeah, I think the REM Green that was my first big like wow. huge at, at a stadium. I thing. bet that was an amazing show. Yeah, I mean, I remember being really far away from the stage. <laughs> they had this huge projector. Yeah, this, I mean, that just projected this giant image behind them, and it was it was very cool. I mean, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Um, my first show, uh, and I, don't, I, I guess this counts, was at my church, and it was a, some Christian singer named Al Hawley. I, I don't mm-hmm. know who he is anymore or anything. I don't even know. I mean, you can look him up, see what he sounds like. I'm sure it's not great. Um, and then, like, but but real concert would be, we went to, like, a, I don't even know what it was called, but probably like a fall fest kind of thing. It was at Six Flags, and it was all Christian bands, and then, you know, Guardian played, and... and um, and DC Talk played and stuff. Um, my first secular concert, I want to say it wasn't until I was in high school. And my my buddy, uh, Travis, he took me, his parents were divorced, and he took me to go, his dad was the cool dad, you know? Mm-hmm, took yeah. me to his dad house, dad's house. And I want to say it was Smashing Pumpkins on nice. the Melancholy Tour and Garbage Open for him. Whoa. And, uh, that, that was, was probably sick. Yeah, that was a great show. And I also remember I was at his house, his dad's house. We just got there and his dad was, you know, you know whatever. And he wanted to show us this new band he found. And he played Squirrel Knit Zippers for me, their first yes. album. And yeah. I was like, that, That's I was such like, a good record. What is this? This is yeah. amazing. Oh I loved that record. I yeah. still do. Same, same. Um, but yeah, I think those were like my first like concerts or whatever. Um, I guess uh, this will lead me into the question, uh, and this can, uh, we'll do albums and we'll do concerts again. But like, what wh- what albums? Like, is there a moment where you kind of were like that that an album or a song or an artist or well, yeah, I guess it could be a music and a film or a TV that like just changed your life? You're like, what is this? Or I know my calling? Or I've got yeah. to dig deeper into this? Yeah, I mean, there. I feel like there's a bunch of these along the way at different, you know, moments of my life. But obviously the Beatles thing that I already shared. And then, you know, as I dug deeper into the Beatles, um, as a kid, um, and even, you know, watching hard days and night was huge. Mm. And, um, and, uh, like I said, buddy Holly's story was huge influence on me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, even like, the chariots of fire theme song was a huge, like I remember mm-hmm. seeing that movie and like wanting, just wanting to figure out how to play that song. And, uh, and that's then, so funny. Uh, I think I remember chariots of fire being played on TV too. And, and me being moved by that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's yeah, yeah it's incredible. Great. Um, and then, you know, just hearing things, you know, in pop culture on the radio or whatever, like just hearing like, you know, Eurythmics or, you know, just different singles that would come on and you'd be like, whoa, what is that? Or, oh oh my goodness. And, um, and then, you know, um, 
Scott and I really discovered a lot of cool music together um, yeah. via his brother and his mom, actually. His his uh, parents were divorced and his mom had some really great tapes that we would listen to. Um, Dire Straits and Mike and the Mechanics are a couple I remember um, listening to. Um, but like Head on the Door by The Cure, monumental, just massively monumental. Um, and I think... I feel like the Tears for Fears record that we got, it was either songs, I think it was songs from the big chair. I think, I don't remember. Um, but then, you know, as time went on, there were just moments uh, that would just inspire, like just yeah. where a record would just blow my mind and make me feel like, you know, it was like a level up. It was like a, yeah. uh, like a power up where it just would be like, I have to do this. This is... I'm chasing this record, you know, um, yeah. Matthew, Matthew sweet, um, um, uh, for his first couple records did that yeah, for me. Exactly. And, um, uh, you know, all, obviously all the night, all the cool nineties stuff and Oasis and blur, mm -hmm. uh, their first records and the laws record, um, was hugely influential mm -hmm. on me. 1989, uh, when I got that, and, um, and then, you know, as I became a producer too, I remember like, uh, I remember the, where I was when I heard the bends for the first time. Mm -hmm. And it was just like absolute, like this whole other world opened up from that yep. album. Or, you know, when I heard Fiona Apple title, like that, mm. the whole world opened up us uh, and, and then even more with when the pawn and, uh, you know, Rufus Wainwright poses was another just like, just like mm. the whole world changed. Um, Summer Teeth by Wilco and then Yankee Hotel after that. You know, those nice. those are just like monumental moments. Um, Jeff Buckley Grace was obviously huge, yeah. huge, huge. Um, uh, Blake uh, Westcott from Bloomsday, who I just posted on social media about that album that we made together. And it kind of was it kind of blew up, um, that post blew up. It was really cool. Um, that's cool. And, uh, he, he introduced me to red house painters and, you know, they've been, or, you know, Mark stuff has been hugely, hugely influential as well. And, uh, but you know, just, it's almost like you get like a jolt of like, um, a fuel, you know, by an album or, or an artist that just makes you just explore this whole other pocket of what it is you can yep. do. And, and then you kind of peter out and then you hit another one. It's like, um, it's almost like those little booster things on a hot wheel track where it's like, you finally make it to that and then you get a jolt yeah. to your next thing. And, um, do you find just albums you... along the way that, that, that really did that for me? Um, you know, even later on, like I, my, my friend brought in a burned CD of two records that hadn't come out in the, in, in, in the U S yet. This was, you know, in the two thousands and in, in, the, in my old studio, he brought in Mew Fringers oh, and, right um, Cardigans Long Gone Before Daylight, both. He brought them both in and they weren't even out in the US. And I just remember sitting there and that was one of those moments where I was like, I just don't even want to live anymore. Like these yeah. are so good. Like, I don't even know how to respond to this. It's like, yep. you know, just my mind was blown. Star Sailor's first album, oh, God, huge, yeah. hugely influential. Like I still listen to that all the time. 
Um, There's too many to really list. Right, right, but, right. Um, do, do you find as you get older that, that these uh, moments of, of uh, I don't know, just bursts of, of excitement with new music and stuff, that, that they're less and less? Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, Full Moon Fever. I remember hearing oh. that in high school for the first time, too. That was huge. Yeah. Um, I think so. I think I, I almost, I don't necessarily think it has to do with, like, a ton of like the environment of music at the moment. I think it more has to do with the fact that my shelf is sort of full mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm still getting, you know, one of the playlists that I listen to still is got like almost all the albums I just mentioned on it. And right. I still listen to it all the time, you know? So I still, I still can get a charge from those albums. Oh, uh, uh, Brendan Benson, One Mississippi. If you if if anyone out there doesn't know Brendan Benson, One Mississippi, came out in '96, I think. Immediately go listen to that album. Just immediately, it will just. I'm sorry, but it's just <laughs> mind blowing. And he he went on to be the other guy in um in uh oh my god, why can't I think of the band the, the band with uh. With Jack White. Um, oh, White Stripes? No. Oh, Raconteurs. Raconteurs. He's the other guy in Raconteurs. Um, oh, when? Jack was a huge fan of his. They're both from um, the Detroit area. Nice. And Brendan actually lives down here now. Oh, Posies. I, I mean, I mentioned yeah. them in another episode, but huge, huge, huge influence. But yeah, um, I think it's more that I can keep going back to those and getting mm-hmm. that... Getting more but, each time kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, but like I said, too, like one of the things that I have been really focusing on, and I, I mentioned this in another episode, um, is f- r- discovering, you know, new to me music, mm-hmm. stuff that isn't new. In fact, some of it is, was made before I was born, but I never really listened to it. Mm. Um uh, yeah. And stuff that I, you know, in high school would have been like, Ugh, I'm right. never going to listen to that. But like now, you know, it's like epic, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like this whole other layer of something that I missed or, you know, it, inf- I can hear it influencing things from my time, yep. you know, where, how it influenced that stuff. Um, I love so you're looking- kind of going back. It's like an archeo- archeological expedition you know where you're yeah. going back and finding those influences i love uh looking up the influences for bands that i love and then mm-hmm. going to check out those bands because i'm like like radioheads are are fans of the talking heads and and can and like before them i had never listened to either of those bands you know that kind of stuff i love that kind of thing um yeah one thing i've done is uh i'll i'll find a song uh you know, that I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I know that song. I don't know who that is. Like an old song. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, th- recently I was watching Reservoir Dogs with my son. I hadn't seen it in years. And there's that scene. Um, it's like really disturbing and awesome scene. But he, he puts on um, Stuck in the Middle with You by Steeler's Wheel. And yep. I was like, oh, my God, this song is amazing. And then I'll go on Spotify and I'll go to that song's radio you know, I'll, yep. and then Love I'll just that. listen to all, and I'll just be like, "Whoa!" I know, like, and a lot of them are songs you know I've heard this, but I've mm-hmm. never, I didn't know 
Gordon Lightfoot or whatever it is, you know, just like you just find all this stuff and you can go down these incredible rabbit trails. And then I end, I end up making a new playlist from all that stuff. Um, Yeah. We live in a, a culture where it's all about the single. And I try to, when I hear a song, even if it's new or, or if it's old, that, that catches me. First of all, I make a playlist each year that I just, I immediately, if I have something connects with me, I find out what it is, I throw it in this playlist. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, later when I'm, you know, bored or trying to think of something to listen to, I just put this playlist on shuffle and I'm like, oh yeah, that song. Or sometimes I'm like, I don't remember doing this. But if there's a song that like on comes up and I'm like, that song's great. Who is this? I will try to go to that artist, listen to their other songs, listen to their radio, you know, expand myself because like, I need that, you know, I need to grow. Mm-hmm. I need, yeah. need that kind of, um, yeah. For me, when music became professionally, it was, um, I guess it was after my band in high school devolved or dissolved or whatever. I, um, I auditioned for this local Christian band to play guitar, but I was not good enough of a guitar player. But I went to go see them play once because they were like, come see us play. Like, it's like one of those things. They want to see how inter- interested you are, you know? Uh-huh. So I came to see them play, and this band was opening for them, and they had just lost their bass player like that day. So their lead guitar player – I'm sorry, their lead singer who didn't play an instrument. No, he played guitar. Anyway, the lead uh, singer who played guitar uh, was learning – uh, the bass parts and and they were like during sound check and so then I came up and and I was trying to you know show off and I was like hey if you guys need somebody I, I can play bass if you can write out what the chords are and so they were like really and so I played my first show with this band they were called Linger and I played bass uh-huh. with them um, and then they wanted me to join their band and at the time like I played bass, but my brother was playing bass and was trying to be in bands. And I was like, oh, you want my brother? I don't, because I didn't think I wanted to be a bass player, but they really wanted me. And so I was with, with them and we were doing like local, you know, uh, ch- church gigs basically um, and stuff. And we, we talked to a couple of those labels like Forefront and stuff like that, but nothing ever really happened. And then they broke up and then I started Pacifico after that. Whoa. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. And I've been in. You know, I did the short stint with the Almost, and then I was in a band called Monday in London where I just sang and helped write the songs and play piano or acoustic here or there. But yeah, that was that was my professional beginnings. And then my um, like the most my most memorable moments where music like super grabbed me um, are things like I remember watching Sister Act, and when that Quiet Nun started like singing for the first time, uh-huh. I remember like getting like a you know a, a lump on my throat and and like uh getting chills and like actually having goosebumps and stuff mm-hmm. and um and i was just like whatever this is i want to be a part of this you know kind of thing <laughs> there um That's so cool <laughs> the the movie um follow that bird which was a sesame mm-hmm. street movie mm-hmm there was a song in there too that like the kids and he was singing, it was like a real sad song. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, this, this is so beautiful. And that, that got me to, um, uh, seeing Elliot Smith perform on the Academy Awards when, uh, yeah. Good oh, Honey yeah. came out. Oh my yep. gosh. That was most definitely a moment that like changed my life. Cause I was like, you can do music like that. Um, I kind of, I've always really liked like melancholy or just like beautifully sad music. Um, yeah, I mean, like Nirvana changed my life. I, I obviously, like I said, like first time I heard the Beatles was in elementary school, but I was dating a girl in high school 
and uh, she had a CD in her CD player. She's taking me home from school one day, and it was mm-hmm. uh, it was Rubber Soul, and the first song I think is um, "Baby Can I Drive Your Car?" Or yeah, whatever. yeah, and. That was on. I was like, oh, I love this. I know this song. Who is this? And that's when I found out who the Beatles were. And then that threw me like all down. Because I think that was 94. And then later that year is when they put out the anthology. So like that year was so transformative for me. Um, yeah. But there's lots of moments like that where like, you know, some something has come and just like blown me away. It's been a couple moments recently. I mean, it, like like we like you said, it it, it is harder for me to be wowed nowadays I, for one, I think there's just too much. There's just so much yeah, to go. Yep. And, and then, um, like you also said, like, I think I always just keep going back to the same stuff. Um, but I do find, like you said as well, like I do love finding older things and, and following that trail and seeing where I can find, I will say that the two new bands that I've learned about in the last like 10 years that really have, have, uh, or albums, I guess, whatever it would be civilian, um, their album, uh, let's see, uh, you have no idea what, priv- uh, what privilege costs. That mm-hmm. was on tooth and That album is so good. And his lyric writing, so, you know, the whole thing's great. And then two door mm-hmm. cinema club. Um, mm-hmm. I love me some two door cinema club, but, um, I mean, there's a couple other bands like Sir Sly is really good. Uh, Sandre Lerche. I found out about him cause I was in a, uh, I want to say it was a gap. And they were playing a song. I was like, who mm-hmm. is this? And I did the whole thing. Like, who is this? Yeah. And, but I, I love his work too. Yeah. Faces Down, his first like EP. Mm-hmm. Huge. Like yeah. huge. Yeah. He's so good. It, my wife, Ava, doesn't like him. She says that he can't sing in key. I don't think he auto-tunes or anything. And and I, I think that that bothers her a lot. because. And I'll agree. There are some times where I don't know who was doing vocal production, but they probably shouldn't have let you know, note or two slide kind of thing. But I love I it. Yeah, I don't care. It's so, so one of, one of my all time, like all time favorites is Bill and Sebastian and um, like Tiger Milk and probably mm-hmm. Tiger Milk. And if you're feeling sinister, are probably my two favorites. But I mean, it's the same. There's those are like very imperfect albums and especially yeah. Tiger Milk. And like it's got, you know, it does. Technically, doesn't sound great, I guess, technically, but the the charm of that to me is like, if it sounded good, I mm-hmm. might not even really like it. <laughs> yeah. Or if it was all perfect, I might not really like it. And some of their newer albums are sonically great, and I still like them, but... There's yeah. that's there's something about that to me. That well, I when love. I started recording music, like and, and and actually releasing it and stuff, it was just coming into Pro Tools and Auto Tune, and so like everyone I knew uh, were using like Line Sixes and like plugins and mm-hmm. Auto Tuning mm-hmm. everything, and there came a point where like everything sounded the same, and it all sounded way too processed and. And I was like, I just want things to sound like the, the '60s and the '70s, like when things mm-hmm. seemed real, yeah. you know. And now, yeah. um, we'll do some fire, rapid fire stuff here. Cool. Um, who are the best singers? Well, I don't. Tra- I tra- I don't. What 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 would classify someone as a good singer on like American Idol actually usually turns me off. Like I, mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. I don't re- actually like that. Um, and I'm not saying that exclusively. Obviously, there's like phenomenal 
singers that, right, but right. they have like a thing like Sam Cooke or Otis Redding or people right. like that. That yes, where there's just this like depth and voodoo to it that's just you can't deny, you know. Or yep. even Adele or people like that, you know. There's but you know when I when people ask me who my favorite singers are, it's mm-hmm. it's it's how it hits my heart uh, mm-hmm. more than anything. Totally. And some of those people are technically not good singers. Like, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> honestly, like, or, or weird singers or, or they have those like love or hate voices, you know, like yep. I feel like, um, you know, Neil Young and Bob Dylan and people like that are like love, yep. you know, you either hate it or you love it kind of a right. voice. Um, and you know, those happen to be some of my favorites. And, uh, um, I like weird. I like weird voices. I, I think Conor O'Burst has a weird voice a lot of times, and I and I love what he does. And um, but you know, someone that I think um, hits both things so well is Rufus. Obviously, like he just oh, is like yeah. spot on on both. And he fronts. smokes like a freaking smokestack. Like I, it drives me nuts. Yeah, and. Um, I'm trying to think of other singers that just crush me. Um, it's funny. I actually went and saw that girlfriend that I wrote that song for. Um, she took me to see Harry Connick Jr. in the mm. late 80s, I think. I don't remember. Yeah, it must have been. It was the When Harry Met Sally tour. And um, oh, he, nice. he, like, I mean, it was, ins- I mean, he's insane. Absolutely yeah. insane. Like I, I literally was like, okay, I'll go. Like I didn't, right? Of course, yeah. Care about it, and but then I was absolutely blown away by the show. I mean, it was yeah. he. It was I love just, shows like that. Yeah, I, I've had a couple shows like that where I someone dragged me along to something. I, I, like for instance, I was never. I was a little bit later for the '80s music and stuff, and I had a friend that had tickets to for Duran Duran, and he's like, "Do you want to go with me?" And I'm like, "Sure. What else am I doing? Why not?" And I was blown away with how good they were. They were a great live mm-hmm. show, um, for sure. Yeah. Um, but the, there's certain voices just hit me, like um, Andy oh. Partridge from XTC. Oh, his okay, voice yeah. just absolutely crushes mm-hmm. me. Like, there's something about what he does that. And um, um, another one is Paul Weller from The Jam. Like, he, mm-hmm. his voice, like, there's just certain ways that people sing that. Yeah. Even if it's the first time you heard them, you feel that nostalgia from their voice. There's mm. something, there's like this deep, dark history in their voice, this past of yeah, uh, mysteriousness. I don't know what it is. And uh, Ian McCullough from Echo and the Bunnymen is another one. Um, I guess Morrissey would be one. Like, he's a, definitely a love or hate. I've known people that just hate his voice. And, yeah. you know, I love it. Um, but... To, to me, it's more how it hits hits my soul than than like if they can hit the r- runs or the whistle yeah. notes or whatever. Like I generally don't get, I don't, I just don't care about that as much because for uh-huh. me, it's more about um, it's more about the execution of a song mm-hmm. than like wow, look what you can do with your vocal cords. You totally. know what I mean. Um, and I'm not dissing that at all. I think that's amazing. And when people, I can't do that. When people can do it, it's it's yeah. incredible. 
but it doesn't do it doesn't do a lot for me in and of well, itself. Yeah, without a well-crafted song and, and good production, someone's amazing voice is going to fall flat regardless, you know. Yeah, and, and uh, people can oversing an amazing song too. They can do mm-hmm. just I've seen that. Take they can ruin the 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 gist of the vocal melody and and what was, you know, intended to be. Yeah. Um translated. I think for me like singers I I've always been attracted to men that sound like women. Like, yeah. I just, Tom York, uh, Jeff yeah, Buckley. Yeah, Tom York's another one for sure. Yep, um, Buckley. Oh, Buckley is another person who oh had God, both yeah. both things. You know, he's perfect yeah. and crushes you. <laughs> like Daniel Johns from Silverchair, especially the latter two albums. He just really came into his own. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just always kind of... Uh, Lee Bozeman from Luxury really loved, you know, vocals that just guys that, but, but you're right. Like, even though they have pretty voices and stuff, they also, they they wrote great songs, had great production and their, their deliveries were always so spot mm-hmm. on that. But even people like, I mean, that was the thing about Elliot Smith that blew me away is that like his vocals are so earnest and mm-hmm. so, so emotional. And like, I love that, like, I read that like his first album was recorded in the basement that wasn't even finished or anything. It's like, he's got like dirt around him and all that kind of stuff. And no one even knew he was recording and mm-hmm. he was whisp- basically whispering, like getting loud enough to get a, get a note and get a tone, but soft enough that no one would know that, that he's doing it. And there's some, I think that that, that the way he sings brings you in. Cause you feel like I got a secret to tell you mm-hmm. come here. It's like ASMR before we knew what ASMR was, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, I got to see him at the, sh- I think it was at the show box. Wow. And uh, it was like one of his really good shows where he was, unfortunately he had shows where he was, he couldn't even make it through songs because he was so um, screwed up. up. Yeah. But this was like really good. He was just on. And he, um, the thing about it that I remember, besides the fact that it was, you know, basically perfect, um, is he, he, some of the songs he totally belted, mm. like sang totally differently than, than on the album and, and sounded beautiful and incredible like that too. Yeah. Uh, so it's one of those things where, you know, he can, do both yeah. like it it doesn't have you know it's not where he can't sing unless he's whispering or whatever you know like yeah. he he had it all but yeah that, that was, reminds me that like i remember seeing mxpx play for the first time and they blew me away because obviously they're a great live band and such but yeah, i loved the way that they would take a, a song that was recorded but not play it like the recording like change mm-hmm. it and that mm-hmm. that I don't think I'd ever really considered that before. I think most people, they start their band, we wrote it, this is how we're going to record it, and this is how we're going to play it. And, you know, and we'll play it this way for the next 40 years. But, like, the idea of, like, rearranging it or changing it or doing things so it's more exciting live, you know, like, stop and have people yell back, that that just blew my mind. Yeah, and that can happen. I've seen bands you know, change their songs live, but in a way that it was worse <laughs> too. Like, yes, yes, yes. Uh, where it's almost like they, it almost comes off as like, they are just so bored of playing that song that they just mm-hmm. changed it because to keep themselves entertained or whatever. And well, the counting, so when you oh, can do it in a way that's like, 
where you're like, oh, this is awesome. Like that, I think that is yeah. really cool. The uh, the Counting Crows are notorious. Their their lead singer uh, Adam Durwitz is I think that's his name. He's notorious for just changing lyrics and yeah. like just trying. To, he he gets so bored and he's like, you know, we. He I think he's more like a beat poet kind of guy anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. but man, I've had friends that have gone to see them play that were like, I'll never see them again because like <laughs> you know. You're you're catering to the crowd, you know. They want to hear that song, and they want to hear it the same way they've heard it, you know, their whole life, kind of thing. And if you're going to yeah. add on it or vamp on it, sure, but don't change the lyrics. I mean, come on. Yeah, and, and speaking of another one of my favorite voices is Fiona Apple, but um, and uh, we went to the When the Pond tour, and you know, it was like the band that was on the album, and every, like Matt Chamberlain mm. was playing drums. It was just crazy, but she awesome. was horrible oh yeah I've yeah i don't know if she like and i i know that it's it was kind of a hit it was real hit or miss with her back then mm-hmm. but she basically just screamed everything Oof. and it was yeah. just like really disappointing yeah. <laughs> i think it, i think uh karina and i went for my birthday or something too so it was like it was so disappointing <laughs> yeah that yeah that is frustrating it didn't make um, me Love her any less, though. <laughs> true, true. Everybody has off days. I definitely play some bad shows. Um, oh, yeah. Are there any musicians that have uh, influenced you ways other than possibly... Well, I mean, I guess... Like, you know, you saw a pedal, so you bought that pedal. You Or you saw the amp, so you bought the amp. Or, or maybe even non-musically, we're like, you know, oh, man, they're wearing those pants? Where do I get those? Or what's that? where's that jacket? You know, hair, hairstyle, whatever, you know? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, when I was younger, I was really gear obsessed, you know, I wanted to know what guitar and what amp and what pedal and what settings and all that stuff. Yeah. And I definitely was influenced by, you know, certain eras and people and things and, you know, Radiohead and Nirvana and all that stuff gear wise, but... Um, and even friends like my friend Larry, um, who was in a band in Seattle that Horolu like looked up to and like pl- played some shows with. He was just like a telly guy. He was really into tellies, and that's mm-hmm. the reason I became a telly guy, and I have been ever since. Um, yeah. But it the the part that influenced me for better or for worse the most is the elusive part where it's almost like. It's the whole package. It's the per- it's the perceived persona, lifestyle, vibe mm-hmm. of 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 a of a band that you just tried so hard to get in inside of. Especially back, you know, in the old days before, um, you know, we could watch people, you know, on their on the toilet on TikTok or whatever. Um, But when there was still mystery, you know, when you just had the one little photo on the back of uh, the record and you just had to make up the rest in your imagination, you know, Um, just, and, and, and it was so, it was just more, I don't know. It was just more mysterious and, and uh, unattainable. Um, Yes. And I, I kind of, I, I think that, the ability to connect with people is beautiful and, uh, and the technology, obviously we're doing this podcast, you know what I mean? This, this is something we both want to do, right. but there is something about that mystery um, 
that I really miss, um, where yeah. you just bought an album and you just listened to it and you don't, you didn't know, you know, the credits would be like cryptic, you know, even yeah. sometimes you wouldn't even know. Well, I mean, that, that brings the question, I mean, will there ever be another Ziggy Stardust or another Kiss, you know, kind of thing? And I, I think for the longest time I would have said no, but then we have had Daft Punk and we have had Gorillaz, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and for the begin at least the beginning of those careers, nobody did know who they were. Or very right. few people did, you know, so I think it is possible, but it is a lot harder for sure. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> and I think that, <clears throat> I think that unfortunately, like my younger son's generation, for instance, just has no way of conceptualizing the value of that. So it wouldn't mm -hmm. even be, it wouldn't even be like possible Yeah. In, in, in some demographics. Like, cause it would just be like, why I don't, mm -hmm. I don't understand next, you know, it would just be like next, yeah. I don't care. Like, or they would just never hear of it or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sounds like too much um, work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but you know, it might just be, it might just be in the past in, 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 in a way, which, you know, that's fine. Um, I try to t tell Wesley about my younger son, Wesley. I try to explain, you know, back when I, back in my day, you know, yeah. you couldn't just Google this stuff and figure it out. You had to just, oh, man. you know, there was so many rumors and like urban legends about artists and bands and all the things they did. And, uh, I, I would go to the to the Christian bookstore. I remember I saw okay, so I saw on TV the music video for I think it's called "Into the Sun" from Dakota Motor Company, and I went the whatever the next couple of days, whatever we went to the Christian bookstore next, and I looked for it when there, and I asked them, and they didn't have it. They had to order it. Uh -huh. I had to wait two weeks for it to come in, yep. and then I had it on CD, and that was the only place you could hear it. And if that CD broke or got scratched, yep. I'd have to go through all that again, you know? And <laughs> yeah, that it's so crazy to think now that like, I mean, like your album, Ephemere, is is out of print. If you want mm -hmm. it, you have to find it. You can watch, you can listen to it on YouTube. So there's that. At least somebody mm -hmm. has posted it up there. Um, we're gonna take it down, and you're you're gonna get your money. No, I'm just kidding, yeah. <laughs> but like, um, <laughs> but like, yeah. I mean, like, there is a little bit of that sometimes, but it's always older stuff like that. And um, yeah, that's, that's weird to say older. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah. I mean, this is a different world now. I mean, now immediately we we could literally record a song today, or I mean, this podcast. If we edited it today, it'd be up today. Like immediately, like that's there's just such mm -hmm. immediacy. That's so crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, influences for me like that, like I play hollow body guitars a lot and I think that really was, I was a Beatles fan and Oasis fan and I really loved Brian Setzer from mm -hmm. Stray Cats and Brian yep. Setzer Orchestra and like, um, I just always loved the way they looked and I think it was, a lot of it too was, uh, thankful for, or, or due to Stone Temple Pilots, they put out their album Tiny Music, and mm, I read these dude. this article about it. Yeah, I love that album. That and stupid, I would literally listen to it like two weeks ago. Yeah, uh, I think it's just had its twenty fifth anniversary this year. Oh wow, cool. Um, 
But I read an article with the DeLeo brothers, and they said for that album that they just went to pawn shops and secondhand stores and stuff and just picked up guitars based on how they looked. And they're always like really, really shitty, crappy silver tones and keys and stuff like that. And of course, had them, or I'm sure they have their own guitar guy, but they had somebody set it up and stuff. And they got crappy amps too. And for that album, they used just all these terrible, you know, no name guitars and amps. And it sounded great. And uh, it was, that was about the time too that I'm starting to record more, meeting people, and I'm learning that getting a good tone and getting good sound doesn't really have to do that much with with the gear. It has to do with the ear and the talent of the person wielding totally. that thing. So yeah, no, that's a hundred percent true. I mean, you, yeah, that's I, yeah the the percentage of who is playing the guitar versus yeah. the gear is way higher than the gear. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. I remember learning that years ago. Um, when I was young, this guy that kind of managed poor Lou, Dave Van Lou, he told me like who, who's playing, you know, if, if, you know, Eddie Van Halen or whoever, you know, that you're trying right, right. to picked up any guitar and played it, it's going to sound like Eddie Van Halen. It's not, yeah. it's not what guitar and what amp and setting. And that, that stuff is part of it, but it's very little to do right. with it. Um, yeah. And there's also, I mean, like I've always been a fan of bands that take you know, huge left turns, you know, Radiohead, mm-hmm. the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And I, I love Phantom Planet. Their um, third album it was the one right after they got big with California and stuff. They mm-hmm. took a huge left turn and did a garage rock, real mm-hmm. noisy album. And I love that album, you know, and, and like, That's yeah, cool. Silverchair, they did Diorama and had mm-hmm. orchestra and stuff. People are like, well, what happened to Tomorrow and you doing grunge? And, mm-hmm. you know, um, so those people doing those kind of things really honestly too, it's like I can change it whenever I want. And it really is just if I can take the time and work on my ear and work on honing in how to make a good tone, it doesn't really matter. So I've never really been a gearhead either. I I uh, kind of just have staples and then figure it out from there. And mm-hmm. then uh, other kind of like fashion sense and stuff, I most definitely got fashion sense stuff. I remember there was a DC talk thing and, and like I thought Kevin looked so freaking cool. Um, Kevin Max and, and so mm-hmm. like I like started cuffing the top bottoms of my jeans and <laughs> yes. wearing just a plain white tee or whatever kind of thing and and I'm a little embarrassed to say this but um, I believe it was from Sin on the, the inside picture of Sin or whatever I believe you had both your ears pierced at the time and I was uh-huh. considering getting my ears pierced and I decided to get both my ears pierced because I was like it looks cool on him I'm going to do that <laughs> that's amazing <clears throat> yeah so. I just took I just took those out, what, two years ago? Mm. When I And then got them tattooed on my ears to replace the earrings. But That's cool. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could ask you, I think we've covered this before, like what producers really changed your life and, and what, you know, musicians, I think we've pretty much covered that. I had those mm-hmm. as questions, but we'll just skip that. Um so as a musician, what, what are the biggest achievements that you feel like you've uh, you had in your life, you know, like uh, musical achievements? That's a good question. I think the answer to that is maybe different than what I would have thought it or hoped it would have been mm-hmm. at this point in my life um, when I was younger. Um, you know, it could be like, you know, I did a gold, produced a gold record or, you know, um, produced a, an album f- for a major label or, you know, had a, 
number one single that I co-wrote or produced or whatever. But um, it's really changed to... I've had the opportunity to make music that has... deep. From what I can tell from the feedback I get from the people that listen to it has deeply affected people. Um, Mm -hmm. And also has uh, affected me and the people that I made it with our lives. And Mm -hmm. we've been able to make music that we can sit back and go, I don't, I actually don't have any disclaimers for this. I can show this to you or present it to the world and just say, yeah, this is, this is what, um, this is what we were intending to do. And we did it. Um, not every thing I've ever done falls into that category. Right. I would say that's actually pretty rare, but, um, but the, the people, the, the human connection with the artists and the listeners, um, that's the number one achievement for me. Um, and then, you know, the fact that I have been able to pretty much pay my bills, for the mm-hmm. last, um, you know, off and on at least, mostly. Most most of the last, gosh, almost almost 30 years of my life, I've been paying my bills with music. That's, um, that's incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not wealthy and I don't, um, you know, have a bunch of stuff, but I have everything I need and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I don't want, you know, I'm not for want. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, I have the the amazing opportunities that I've had and and the successes I've had in music to to um, account for that and that's really really cool and uh, yeah uh, most people I guess don't get to do something that they really love at that level f- for a yeah. vocation um and I'm I'm very grateful for that yeah. What about you? I, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I, growing up, I, if you would ask me what I would want to accomplish, whatever, I mean, it would most definitely be the the typical stuff, you know, like I want to chart and I want awards and I want, you know, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And, and I'm not going to say that I would never want that still. I mean, of I'll, course. I'll take money and, and fame. I don't know who wouldn't take that. But, right, of course. But yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, if, if, if I were to be on my deathbed, I'm I'm very very thankful for everything that's ever happened to me. I I literally, other than maybe a couple things, I've done everything that is on my bucket, my musical bucket list. You know, I have, you know, I've I've traveled and played in other countries. I have had music in movies, TV, and commercials, and I have had music on the internet and on on uh, the radio, and you know, music videos on MTV and shit. So I had all the things, and so like. Certainly, I'm super happy with all that, but I, I think you're right. I mean, like the connections. I mean, for one, my life is so amazing because of all the people I met, you know, like all the absolutely like 90% of the people that I know in my life and that are my favorite people in my life, I have met through music, whether it was playing with them, collaborating with them, working with them, working for them touring and meeting them on tour mm-hmm. wh- whatever you know and like i actually just played my first show out of state since i guess the second show since the pandemic this past weekend and i went to charlotte and 
at the best time I was just hanging out with people that I had met through music and, and like, yep. I, I was just so thankful that like to have this, so that in itself. And then like you said, connection, I mean, you cannot, cre- you can never recreate a moment. And I had this this weekend where you're in a room and no matter what kind of venue or what kind of show you're playing, people are going to be talking. But when you get to a soft part in a song, especially if it's like an emotional song and you could hear a pin drop in that room, Mm-hmm. There, that that is just magic. That's just fire. That's just amazing. And and uh, being able to experience that kind of thing and be able to create and be able to create with friends and meet people and stuff like that. That definitely is the most important and and the the, the biggest achievements I've had for sure. Yeah, my. I mean, I have very honestly very few friends that don't have that I didn't meet through music. I don't even know if I can think of any <laughs> off the top of my head. And, uh, you know, th- my closest friends that I would consider family are all through that. Yeah. You know, um, you, uh, is there any, th- I feel like some of these we kind of already covered, but like, is there mm-hmm. anything that inspires you to con- or continues to inspire you, inspire you to create, or is it just the itch or just comes to you or. Yeah. I mean, there, there's just a thing in me that can't not make yep. songs. And um, even if that kind of gets, goes dormant for a minute, you know, if I have a time of, um, you know, well, like this surgery I just had, um, which I haven't talked about on the podcast, but I just, I, I talked about it on Facebook. So if you want to know about it, you can look on Facebook. <laughs> but, um, you know, there was a recovery period from that for a, f- a few weeks where I virtually couldn't do anything music musically. Yeah. And, um, and then there's this other times where you just don't, you don't feel it. And I, I yeah. kind of, I try to take those as a time of, I'm supposed to be focusing on something else. Um, because God knows I've focused on music um, when I should have been focusing on something else. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times in my life. But, uh, yeah, it's not I, I, It's not a choice for me. It, there's no moment where I go, I should, you know, do this. It's like I'm compelled to do it. Right, it, yeah. Uh, and That's it. Um, it can be from... It can be from something new, brand new that I heard that some, you know, buddy younger than, young enough to be my son or daughter Mm -hmm. made. (laughs) Or it could be from a memory of something I heard when I was that age. You know, can, there's so many things that can inspire me and get me, get that fire going. But yeah. um, Same. I I think just like you had said previously, I, um, definitely go through times where I beat myself up and where I have imposter syndrome and think that I've been wasting the last, you know, 20 plus years of my life and, and, and such. And there are times that I've gone dry. I've gone a couple of years without writing a song before, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly, 2019, I was, when I started working on this record, I, I had it in mind that this record that I recorded was going to be my last. Yeah. And, and then since then, I, I've written some songs and I, I get inspired by things. And, I, and so I, I don't think it'll ever stop. I think that it's it's literally a part of me and it's just 
it's such a weird thing. I mean, that goes with the whole therapy kind of thing. Like I'm learning how to love myself. And mm-hmm. part of myself is the fact that I am a creator and that I can't stop creating. And I just need to embrace that and be okay with that. And learning to do that has been just life-changing for me. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I have retired multiple times. You know, I was like, that's it. This is it. I'm done. Yeah. And uh, I kind of, I've kind of given up on th- that yeah. <laughs> thought anymore. I'm kind of like, well, the idea of doing something I'll retire that's so, when I physically can't do it anymore. Right. The idea of something being so finite, so kind of ridiculous anyway, like, you know, just yeah. let life happen. If it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. No, um, and that, those have totally been me trying to feel a sense of control. You know, that's all it really was. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything on a, on a, do you have a current musical bucket list? Anything that, that, that you want to do, something you want to learn, a new instrument you want to try, uh, anyone you want to collaborate with or any projects you want to dust off or like anything that, you know, right now in October of 2021, is there anything that you uh, kind of feel like you could see yourself wanting to, to do or try or experience in music? Yeah. And that, um, I was literally, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot. I was literally thinking about this yesterday, but, um, I heard, um, on a podcast, uh, about death earlier this year that this woman that like works with people and helps them die basically Mm. when they're terminal said that people on their deathbed in their last moments, they, people don't regret the things they did, they regret the things they didn't do. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I, um, I have, I really want to change the kind of narrative that I've had in, in myself about my uh, fears around performing. I, mm. I've never been comfortable, um, performing yeah. and, um, there's been moments, it's usually like in the middle or kind of back half of a set where I kind of move into that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly the last show I did in that um, show we did for the Rose Blossom Punch, Sorry to Disappoint You release in Seattle, mm-hmm. which was the first show other than this one other show I did. It was the first time I'd played, second time I'd played in seven years or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I'm finding the older I get, I think it's going to be easier for me to tap into this. But I, what I really want to do, long, my long-winded version, <laughs> is um, I want to like perf- play shows, yeah, and and get to where that's a uh, that's a thing that's comfortable for me to do that I really enjoy, mm-hmm. um, because. The motivation when I was younger, it was there was so I, I put all this completely imaginary pressure on myself around shows, like almost like like it was gonna be like you know there was some big A and R was at the show and he was gonna sign us and we were gonna be famous and rich forever, which never yeah. happened. But I would mm-hmm. put that kind of pressure on myself instead of just being in the moment, being present and yep. enjoying the opportunity that I had to live my life in that way. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, I, I had this kind of plan to do this before um, 2020 hit, you know, to, to start really looking into 
performing, um, and, and seeing how I could evolve, um, something that would become regular. I mean, I literally had to, I had to practice and learn and Google the lyrics to all my own songs for that show that I did, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know, I don't even know how to play most Mm -hmm. of my own songs. (laughs) Um, so like doing that, that I just want to do that. And, you know, I've, I've get, there was a time where I gave up on that because, you know, I'm, I'm 47, like, Mm -hmm. and I thought, you know, it's, that's over, but you know, it's not, I don't, I don't, there's no reason, like, like I said, unless I physically am unable to perform, there's no reason why I can't spend the next 10 years or more, even if I wanted to, of my life doing that. Yeah. Um, And a decade's a long time. Yeah. You know, Um, so that's honestly actually really putting some real time and effort and heart into writing and producing and recording and performing my music. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've never, it's always been by the wayside. It's always been when I, when I can get to it, I'll do it. Cause I've got this going on and this going on. And, um, I love it. You know, just to keep pursuing that and just keep trying. Um, other than that, I'd honestly, I've kind of done a lot. I mean, it would be cool. You know, I'm, I'm kind of dipping my toe back into the songwriting world again right now. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, it would be cool to get a cool cut on, on a record or, you know, something that got used in a way that was cool or whatever. But yeah, I mean, obviously that would be cool, but I, I, I guess an even broader answer to what you're saying is, or to your question is, um, I want to be able to really focus on the experience of what it is I get to do rather than that Mm. Fear that, oh, like, okay, this might be the shot. This might be the one big chance. This one thing I'm doing might change everything forever. Well, why? What if nothing changed forever? What if you right. just got to be in this moment and really enjoy it and really do it? And yep. what if I start doing songwriting again and I don't get all freaked out about what people think or what's going to happen with this song, but I just have fun and just enjoy the people I'm with and enjoy getting to make a song and whatever happens, happens, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's really an ad attitudinal shift, a perspective shift that I, I want to embrace and, and, um, work on when it comes to music. And, you know, I think that the, the foundation of, of all of that is just gratitude. I think that's a hundred percent. Um, just being grateful that I get to even be here doing this. And, and yep. if I can build everything on that um, and keep, keep the love and the compassion and the human connection and then the curiosity, you know, intact throughout yeah. that, um, you know, let's just have fun with this. Let's yeah. enjoy it. I, I honestly... I I 100% agree with what you're saying. And I don't know if it's been the same for you, but for me, all that pursuit of, you know, fame and, 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 and notoriety and, you know, getting signed and getting, you know, this publishing deal and getting that and this, that, and the other, Mm -hmm. all that has ever given me is heartache, pain, 
and and like none of my favorite memories that I have in my musical career include any of that. No. I might ha- I might have some good stories around it, sure, yeah. but but none of my none of my none, there's nothing happy about that. It's completely empty. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, it, it the reason I wanted to stop and that I've had so many issues and I have stopped music for a bit before is because I kind of have a an abusive relationship when it comes to the music business. I have like PTSD because like it's traumatic that all that and it can be completely self-induced trauma too. Oh yeah, most of I mean, it like is. I said most of this stuff for me was imaginary. I was putting it yeah. all on myself. Same. I totally relate to that. Same. And I think that you and I are in the same spot in our lives because I'm just trying to and, and apart from music as well, but with with my music as uh, uh, in addition, I am trying to take back control and mm-hmm. and and just be and be okay being and and love myself for who I am. And ultimately, I'm on a on a, a I'm on a pursuit of happiness. You know, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I agree with you. I I just really honestly, I want to record when I write something and then put it out, you know, and whatever way that I feel like makes sense that at that point, Mm -hmm. I, I've made it a goal to get a booking agent and start playing shows again, which I'm starting to do again. And they're just me acoustic, but I would love, 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 love to have a band. I miss Mm -hmm. the energy that you get from a band. I I miss, I, I, I've been a lead singer without an instrument before, swinging my mic and like commanding yep. the crowd. I miss that. I would love to do that. If anybody is in anywhere around the Atlanta area and wants to start a band, hit me up. Anybody <laughs> in the Nashville area, hit up Aaron. Um, but yeah, I would love to see you play uh, some shows. I have only seen you play your solo stuff once live, and it was at Cornerstone. I'm pretty sure it was what was recorded for that live album that you put out. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And then I, I only saw poor Lou, uh, that two, uh, probably the same year as 2001 and you played twice once at night and once the other day. And I came to both of those shows, but those are the only times that I've ever seen you perform. And I would love to see you perform again. And, mm. um, and yeah, I mean, I, th- I love that. I love, I, I love that you're trying to take it back and, and own it because I understand all that, you know, you, you got to pay the bills and the bills are producing all these bands and doing all this stuff. And, you know, um, your stuff was always put on the back burner and, you know, now right. you're able to actually like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do what I want to do. And, you know, damn the man or anyone that gets in my way. And I, I love that. Um, hmm. I guess, uh, I got two more questions and then we're going to be done with this thing. Uh, how has your relationship to music and the music industry changed for you since you started doing music professionally? I mean, I guess that's basically what we talked about. I don't know. Hmm. Well, I, I, um, it's changed a lot. Um, you, you know, it went from when I was a kid, what I th- imagined the music industry to be like, mm-hmm. and then the heartbreak of discovering what it actually was like. And, and then, you know, adapting to that and working within it. Mm-hmm. And then it's changed so much, you know, um, mm-hmm. when I started in the music industry, the primary revenue s- stream for a music industry was the purchase of albums. Mm-hmm. And now that that's completely gone. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. And you know, there's, that's like a whole podcast episode in and of itself. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's still that, there's still that like 
dream of like, I would, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say that, that, you know, the, the dream of me personally becoming a famous rock star or whatever is completely gone. But, you know, there's still that dream of like writing or producing on something that pops off, you know, yeah, big yeah. time. Um, and then in that kind of major label kind of glitzy way, you know, that would is still something that I think would be really cool. But um, it really is kind of what I was just saying is that in this whole journey of um, ups and downs and huge, like, I cannot believe, you know, this record is doing so well too. I cannot believe this record is doing so bad. <laughs> um, yeah. um, where I'm left is like, I'm just so grateful that I, that there's enough people out there that care about what it is I'm doing on, on both sides of the fence. There's enough. I still get people reaching out to me all the time to work with them. Mm-hmm. And I st- still have enough people interested in my personal music to keep making it. And, uh, you know, how that's going to, like you just said earlier, like how I'm going to continue to release and, and even make and collaborate, I don't really know. And it could change and it could, I want to keep it fluid, you know, but, um, the opportunity is there and opportunity is, is where the hope comes from, right? It's where the drive and the, 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 you know, the drive to even do something comes yeah. from that opportunity. And um, as long as the opportunity is there, I'm going to keep doing it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember feeling like if, if I could, you know, when we were kids, if we could just get this record deal or, or when I was a producer, if I could just get this major label record or, mm-hmm. you know, if, the, if, this, if this record, if this had one single that went top 10 on it or, you know, these things yeah. that... Um, some of those things I even achieved, but they yeah. didn't, they didn't fulfill me in the way that I thought that they would, um, yeah. which was sad at the time, but it's a, the, the beautiful lesson is you stop putting your eggs in those baskets yeah. and it's not, it's not that you don't want that to happen. You know what I mean? But you stop having that transactional, um, mentality about them. Like if this, then I will feel this or I will right. feel that way. I remember even telling a therapist once, like years ago, like about how insecure I felt as a record producer. And he was like, well, who's someone that you, you know, feel insecure about? Like who's a huge, like a huge pillar in the industry that you feel like if you attained their level mm-hmm. that you wouldn't feel insecure anymore. And I said someone, and he said, do you think they ever feel how you're feeling right now? And yeah. I was like, they probably do. Yeah, they do. Every I mean, time I've ever seen every, a every documentary or <laughs> read a book. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, in our lifetimes, the music industry has completely 180, completely changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, and it's constantly changing. I was talking with our mutual friend uh, Shane Tutmark yesterday about mm-hmm. about how you know like he kind of is on a similar journey to us he he's f- come back to Delore and started recording everything himself and releasing it and he's put out three albums in like the last year and a half and and like he was figuring it out as he went and and I was telling him I was like I mean even 
even though I kind of was doing that longer because I never had any labels or anything like that, I what I could tell him to do might not even work for him. It might work for me. Mm-hmm. It might not work for you. You know, like it's it's just a it literally is the wild west out there, and it's just. I think what's so great about that though is that you can literally do whatever you want. You just follow your heart, you know, and just like see it through. And if it doesn't stick, then it doesn't stick. But at least you you followed your heart and you were true to yourself. And I think that has way more weight than, at least for me, than trying to follow what I should be doing and then being upset that I didn't achieve something that, you know, I thought I would or whatever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so the last question I have uh, uh, set up for this is: uh, Do you have any any advice for anyone wanting uh, to do music? Um, you know, like if anybody wants to start music now or get into music, or or anyone that is listening that's an independent artist that just wants to kind of like take their thing to the next level, or I mean, do you have any any advice for anybody or any sage wisdom? <laughs> I mean, that's. A question I've been asked quite a few times, and it's a really difficult question to answer. But yeah, a couple of things I will say is um, one is don't um, don't feel like you have to be amazing at everything. Like um, find people, find you know, really like invest in your in your natural wheelhouse. You know, um, in the in the things you can't not do, invest in that, and. Um, and then find collaborators that um, can do the things that you're not so strong in. Um, yeah, I think, and surround yourself with you know with people that can you know um, where you can complement each other. Um, I think spreading yourself too thin can be a huge sabotage. Um, and and I guess like trying to be something you're not in general from uh, even from a musical standpoint. Um, chasing a specific type of sound or song or demographic instead of just doing what's in you. Mm-hmm. For me, that's always backfired. Um, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I don't really believe in regrets per se, yeah. but I think one of my biggest um, regrets, quote unquote, <laughs> would be <laughs> that that I didn't, follow my heart i didn't mm-hmm. trust my instincts i yep. i tried to play the game and you know if a label told me to write a song a certain way or if my bandmates said this song would be better like this yep. rather than sticking to my guns i followed them and i, I like i said those that would be the if i changed anything i kind of wish i could tell little me that you know like, don't do that absolutely um but yeah i, I definitely just what you said like see who you can learn from and who you can teach, you know, and, and, um, meet as, meet other people that do things differently. I mean, just like, just someone that does the exact same thing as you, the way that they approach it is never going to be the same way you do. So mm-hmm. sitting yeah. with them and just seeing how they do it. I mean, I remember the first people that I met, like my friend Oscar, that was in my high school band, like we'd sit on, on, you know, uh, the end of the bed and he would play me a song and just watching, the chords he used and, and, and hearing the melody structure that he used and, and how obviously I can play this, I could do that, but it was so much different than what came out of me and him seeing like that back and mm-hmm. forth is you can't recreate that. And that's so important. And then, yeah. you know, yeah, learn, if learn how to play everything, learn how to, to like try to at least. And, but don't be 
uh, above realizing that you can't do everything and that you have strengths. Figure out what your strengths are, pour more time into that and the things that mm-hmm. you're you're weak on, you know, either work on it or if it's not going to get any better because you just can't sing or you have no rhythm, get someone that's good at it to do it, you know? Like, yeah, that's I good. Mean, I, I would much rather, you know, find a, a really great drummer to play on my album and, and let him do his thing than for me to be in there and try to do you know, a crappier version, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And the compare, comparing myself to others has always been, I don't no. know, one, one of the, high, one of the like most profound forms of self-sabotage that I could ever do. It's like, 100%. it's the worst. I mean, I can talk myself in five seconds, I can talk myself into the fact that I should have never even tried to do music when I compare myself to other people. Oh, same. I mean, we did like that. What, like you're like a child. What are you even doing? Right. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> we did that split with Copeland, and then Copeland took off, and we did not. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how much inter inner work I had to do to move past that because right, Aaron is doing his thing, and he's talented, and he should you know, have, have gone yep. where he went, you know, but you know, here I'm going, well, what about me and what makes them better? And yeah, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of crap, but it doesn't matter. It's never, it's never a competition. I mean, no one's trying to, you know, uh, th- that's the other thing I could say too, is I hate people that try to sabotage other people or, or ruin people or take people down. It's not a game. You're not fighting other people. Mm-mm. We're all working together and, and the more you can work together and, you know, if you have friends that are in other bands, they can help you get shows and you can help yep. them get shows. And if you, if you don't, then, you know, you kind of shooting yourself in the foot. I don't know. Yep. There's plenty of resources out there. There's, there's, we're, we're in a world where you literally can release music uh, to everywhere where everyone listens to music within a day. And it's fairly cheap. Um, I would say, I think that, that everyone records at home now, which I think is great and such, but I, I would uh, err on the side of, don't be afraid to put some money into your recordings and, and mm-hmm. such. I mean, uh, I even though you can record on your phone and your iP- iPad and your computer, a lot of people don't have the talent to be able to do it. And I would recommend you go to a studio where they've got good preamps and where they got you've got somebody that can make you actually sound like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. But those, I think that's all I got when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, oh my gosh, cat! No, 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 get a get, come on. my cat's coming here. <laughs> Make sure she didn't stop the recording. Um, Definitely not editing that out. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, other than that, I mean, like, I I think that I can say that music has profoundly changed my life. I love finding new music. I love finding old new new old music. I love meeting new musicians and and seeing new shows and just uh, I I think it's a a well that is never going to go. Uh, it's never going to go dry and I, I look forward to going back and getting, uh, finding new things every day and uh, I'm thankful for our friendship and what I've learned mm-hmm. musically from you before I met you and since I've met you and and um, I hope any of this information is uh, interesting or, um, or enjoyable or, or helpful to anyone uh, listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess my the only final words I would like to say about this is music. This is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, but music is in me 
It's in my DNA. It's part of me. It's a, it's an essential part of my story, my journey and all that, but it isn't me. Mm-hmm. Same. Um, it, it, my identity has been too tied up in it mm-hmm. too many times. And that's only ever in the end caused misery for me. Um, Same. And it's, if I try to make it me, then it kind of takes me out of the equation instead of basically getting to be a partner with it, getting to Mm. dance with it and and have it affect and intertwine with my life. But um, yeah. It, it isn't who we are. We get to in, enjoy and experience it, but um, yeah, that might and sound weird to some people that I'm saying that, but um, I, th- I think yeah. people don't realize too that the listener is also just as active as part of this this journey as the person that is sharing the music. You know, absolutely. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'm right there with you. My whole life, I, I kind of teetered between. I didn't want to be the dude at the party that all I talked about was my music and my band, you know? And right. I, I also didn't want to, uh, I, I didn't think I was good enough to be a musician, you know, it's finding like mm-hmm. trying to figure out where I landed in that, but I've come to the terms that that is what I, I am a musician, but that's not all I am. That is right. something I do just as much as I love cooking and I love yoga and I like hiking. You know, these are all parts, you know, mm-hmm. of, 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 uh, of who we are. And, um, and that's why our podcast is not only going to be about music. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah. What do you guys think? Uh, I, I, let us know. I mean, send us a voicemail. Like you said, uh, anchor FM, you can send us a voicemail. You can send us an email, uh, on our email, which is moon traveling podcast at gmail.com. Um, we have a Facebook group now. Uh, if you uh, are on Facebook, you can join that. It's just look up Moon Traveling Pad Co- Podcast, and you should be able to find it. Yeah, um, we give you guys like anytime we talk about uh, any of these playlists or songs, we'll usually make playlists based on each episode. You can go check those out. Um, there's playlists that Aaron has made for traveling and stuff like that on there as well. Um, you know sneak peeks that you know like we posted i think your video there first when it came out and stuff as well so yeah i think that our relationship with that facebook group is just going to grow too there might be little exclusive things or you know if we talk about a photo on here we might post it in there and stuff like that so yeah um yeah definitely thanks so much for listening everyone yes thank you guys so much for being part of this um you know all the normal things like subscribe uh leaving a um, a review is, is super important. Uh, sharing with your friends, um, all those things. If you haven't yet, please go check out Aaron's uh, singles. He's got uh, Slow Stop, and there's a video for that. And then Im- Impossible, the single is out. Um, you can pre-order his uh, new EP, Certainty. Um, he can be found um, at Aaron Sprinkle Music on all the places, and his website is AaronSprinkleMusic.com. And you can find me at Pacifico Rock on all the uh, social medias. And my uh, website is pacificorock.com. And uh, we really do just appreciate you guys. Um, We'll be back next month. And our next show is going to be about uh, Aaron working at the compound. Um, And this year is the 20th year anniversary of of when he started working there. So Crazy. Yeah. So we're going to dive into how he got the job and who he met and what he did and 
all those kind of crazy things. Uh, if you have any questions you want to be a part of that uh, particular podcast, get them into us. Um, and uh, Thanks again, guys. And we look forward to seeing you again soon. See you next time. Bye-bye. Shake me now.